You're listening to the Therapy for Women podcast with licensed therapists Amanda White, Fern Formel, and Gabby Salomone. Whether you're contemplating therapy for the first time, already in therapy, or reconsidering it, this podcast will empower you with tips, advice, and plenty of real talk so you can get the most out of your sessions. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Therapy for Women podcast. Hi, everybody. So happy to have our therapist, Melissa, on this week. Fern is not here with us today, so it'll just be Amanda and I. And Melissa. So Melissa works for our practice, and she takes clients in Pennsylvania and also South Carolina and Delaware, and she's here to talk to us today about adult friendship, which is a very exciting topic. Yes. So hi, Melissa. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm excited to be here and and talk about friendship, which has been on my mind a lot lately. I feel like it's been on a lot of my clients' minds. Yeah. yeah. Kind of as we navigate, like, continue to be in this post-mid-pandemic world, I think a lot of people are wondering, like, what it looks like to connect again. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Melissa, you are a LCSW, correct? No. LPC. LPC. <laughs> she's an LPC and she's an LMHC. Yes. So if yes, anyone listened to our podcast episode a couple weeks ago, Fern, Gabby, and I broke down all the differences yes. between the, the letters. And we were talking about how it's very confusing because in yes. some of the country, you can, you're an LPC, but then in other parts of the country, you're an LMHC. Yes. And it's the same, but different letters. <laughs> the alphabet soup. Yes. yes. And 100% yes. alphabet soup. But I was going to say, so you see individuals and couples though, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like what you've been seeing in terms of friendships, people coming in with like talking about friendships are like, is there a certain trend or topic that seems to be popping up a lot? I know I have my own personal, you know, thoughts about this, but I'd love to hear what you have to say on this. Yeah, I I feel like what I'm seeing a lot of and working a lot with clients is navigating friendship in this phase of life. I I work with a lot of people in all different ages, but I would say a lot of my clients are in mid-20s to mid-30s. And it's so interesting. Something I've been thinking about is how when you're in high school and in college, friendship is by no means easy, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely more accessible, right? Like, you're spending most of the day together, whether you're in classes together, you live in the same dorm, you have to eat at the same places. Life is varied together. And you're also on the same path, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're in college, you're studying, you're getting, figuring out your major, maybe you're studying abroad um, and you're trying to figure out what the next chapter looks like. So while friendship isn't easy, it's, it's definitely more accessible and more relatable. You can relate to the people around you really well. Then you get into that next stage of life. People move. People move in with roommates. People live alone. People are getting married. People are having babies. People are traveling a ton for work. People are working from home. Like just life changes so much. And suddenly you're maybe like physically more isolated from your, Mm -hmm. your group. But now you're also just maybe in a totally different phase of life, yeah. whereas before everyone's life kind of looked similar. Yeah. 
I think that's such a good point. Cause right. Like when you are young, you are with the, you are with people also your age. Right. And so everyone is filtered in that way. And I think one thing, I wonder if you see this with your clients is I think what's interesting too, is when you become an adult, you may have more in common with people that are a different age than you, depending on when you or if you had kids, get married, move to the suburbs, what your lifestyle looks like. And I wonder if you see this. Sometimes, Melissa, with my clients, I see like a resistance of, well, they're so much older than me or they're so much younger than me that can really get in the way of openness of friendship. Yeah, that's so true. Like when you're in high school and college, you know, early years of adulthood, everyone is just naturally the same age as you. And then you you move on and, you know, maybe you get married right out of college and a lot of your friends don't. So the people who maybe you kind of be couple friends with are in their thirties and you're still like, I'm 24. Um, But that doesn't mean that you guys can't connect. Like, obviously you can connect with people who are living a similar life to you, even if they're not the same age. But yeah, that's a good point. I think there is a lot of resistance just because it's so not where, what we're used to, right? When you're 18, you don't think yeah. about being friends with a 30-year-old. But right. <laughs> when you're 25, being friends with a 35-year-old doesn't seem that strange. No. Yeah, you know, especially if you have things in common. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think a lot of it too plays into like where you work, where you're working, right? Mm-hmm. And the type of work that you're doing. You know, if you work for a company where there's a lot of people that are more established and, you know, kind of quote unquote, the old guard, right? That they're there, and you come in fresh out of college and you're like 21, 22, and they're closer towards retirement than you are, but they still become friends in some sense, you know, because you are with them a lot. All day. All day. Yeah. All day. I used to share an office with three other people. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I would agree too, Gabby. I think that's where I first was more open to being friends with people that were a different age than me mm-hmm. was when I was working at a rehab. And, you know, it's, who, those are your, like your coworkers are your coworkers regardless of yeah. their age. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's like your coworkers are your coworkers regardless of your age. And I think working in a rehab, I worked in a partial hospitalization program. My friends from that program that I worked in, are, we're still friends. And this is like mm-hmm. over a decade later and we sometimes joke, we're like, oh, we just trauma bonded together every day at lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is that can definitely be the case in the, the helping profession field is you do see so much together. Mm-hmm. And not that, you know, people who you're friends with that aren't in your field can't empathize with it, but there's something about getting it, right? Like the people that you're working with and they, they understand what you've been through. They've been in the trenches with you. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, one of the things I see a lot is with my clients personally is like them struggling with finding new people, Mm -hmm. right? Finding new friends, making friends, especially here in Philadelphia, if they're like a a transplant, we'll call it, right? They're not from Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. They didn't go to college here. They kind of moved here for work or something. And they struggle with finding and making friends. They find it really difficult even more so right now because maybe they're not in the office like they used to be. They're working Mm -hmm. remote. They feel really isolated. Sometimes even like a little feeling like resentful towards people that are from the area and being like, what is wrong with you people? 
do you like never leave? Like, how do you have <laughs> friends the way you do? Like, I don't get it. Um, and I get that question a lot. You're there. It's like, you're from here. Like, I'm, you're going to probably tell me you have friends from grade school. And I go, I do. Yeah. yeah. And I see them regularly. <laughs> well, what is it like? Cause Melissa, you moved here a few years ago. Yeah. What has it been like for you to navigate that? Yeah. So I grew up in the suburbs of Philly um, and then moved to South Carolina for college, moved to a different area in South Carolina for a little bit. I was in Charleston and then I moved back up here just like a year and a half ago. And it was harder than I thought it would be. I My husband is not from here. He's from South Carolina. And I tell people he adjusted faster than I did. And I'm the one from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I struggled because I think I had this idea that I would come back and pick up Mm -hmm. where I left off. But Mm -hmm. in reality, some of my close friends either A, are from South Carolina, so now I'm really Mm -hmm. far from them, or that were here, you know, have different lives now. Um, Even though we stayed connected through those years, their lives just look different now. You know, we're not 18, 19 years old, like they have jobs, they have long-term partners, they have kids. And so it was, it was challenging. I would say that for my husband, I think what was easy for him, and I'm sure you guys can kind of relate to this is he works in a pharmacy. So he's around people and able to talk to his coworkers all day long. So a lot of his friends, and actually now some of my friends have come from his work. Mm -hmm. Whereas I love all the therapists I work with, we get a 10 minute break a couple times a day to check in, say, Hey, maybe we'll slack each other a couple times, but maybe I'll only like Melanie. I love Melanie. I see her once a week for like maybe 20 minutes. And so it's just harder, I think. And I feel like also in this area, you can be so spread out. Like Mm -hmm. I live basically an hour outside of Philly. So if I have people that I'm connected to in Philly, it's not as easy to to maybe make the commute all the time mm-hmm. to, yeah. to hang out with them. So it was definitely a challenge. I, I think it was kind of a wake up call for me to challenge myself mm-hmm. to make friends in ways that are different than I have in the past. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, it's a funny thing that people don't know about when you work at a practice that you seven, eight, nine people can be in the office together. Yep. Yes. But if you're all seeing clients, right? Like you only have that if you pop out to go to the bathroom or grab a cup of coffee or something. It's so yeah. funny how that happens. But no, I relate to a lot um, to Melissa because I just moved to like the Tampa Bay area and my family actually lives here and I have a couple people that I know down here. And I grew up in New Jersey, but I kind of, I moved a lot growing up. And, you know, I think there's this idea sometimes if you if you move a lot growing up, you're really good at making friends. And I think some people are. I think I had like trauma around it and really struggled with it. So I, what I've been kind of dealing with too is, you know, navigating. And and my husband lived in the same, he grew up in Philly, lived in Philly, multi-generation Philly. So it's really interesting to watch him try to navigate making new friends too, because it's something I'm used to. I'm used to like the uncertainty Mm-hmm. of it and and stuff but you know we go on double dates and we're like do you think that they liked us do you think that, <laughs> do you think that we'll we'll see them again or did we come off too strong did it's we, like you know? dating yeah. it is yes I think that's such a good point yeah I one of my good friends from grad school moved 
nail into St. Pete's. And I was like, two of my favorite people now live there. I need to now make you two friends because (laughs) that's just going to make my life easier. Yes. (laughs) But it's one of those things that's, I think, you know, it's hard, right? Like the furthest I've moved was South Jersey and I, like the friends I made were from work and that's how I made friends. And I, you know, I'm still friends with them now, but it was definitely hard leaving the area and going down there, even though it's an hour, right? It sounds not that far, but it can be, especially when yeah. like I was in my early 20s and trying to navigate that and just feeling sometimes like I was missing out on stuff, right? Feeling like I was missing out on, you know, going out and things like that. And so when I did get the opportunity to move back to the city, I took it right away. And I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. Did like the reverse of what people do, right? Like most people leave the city and go to suburbs. I like left yeah. the suburbs and came back to the city, and I was like, I will, I, I will never take this for granted. <laughs> what do you guys think about? Because I think often about, I don't know. I mean, I relate to this personally, and then clients have talked to me about this. Um, did you guys watch Friends yes. when you were like oh, yeah. growing up? Yes. Yeah, right. I think friends or just watching shows where there's like a big group, a big friend yes. group. Like I, it really shaped and kind of disappointed me. I really had this expectation that when I graduated college, I would be best friends with my roommate and we would be best friends with people down the hall. And we would create this like beautiful friend group and be friends for forever. And I think friend groups are also really hard and a way that people sometimes get stuck in mm-hmm. the idea of a friend group and they see it on social media. And it's, you know, unless you went to college together or you guys all have something in common, it can be really hard to, to have a friend group that's all friends. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's such a good point about kind of what we grew up seeing, mm-hmm. right? Like in media. And I even like, taking it further back, like Lizzie McGuire, right? Mm. Like that's so Raven. I grew up watching these shows where like such a like tight, smaller group, but such like close friendships, like sustaining throughout the years. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I struggled with that, like in childhood too, Mm -hmm. being like, I have to have this one person who is my best friend. Yeah. I am their best friend. And if I don't have that, there is something wrong with me. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, I think even like now, right? Like, so Sex in the City was big when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And now they came out with like the reboot, right? And they like bumped Samantha off, but they yes. like had the weird like text exchange. And it, I think it like it does show you though, like there's another example of like decades long of friendship. Mm-hmm. And like there are friendships though that get strained for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And trying to navigate that and figure that out is all part of it. Well, especially in a friend group, right? Because you're not just talking about your relationship with someone changing. You're talking about, depending on how big the friend group is, it's your relationship with them. And then it's their individual relationship with every single person in addition to the entire friend group. The entire group dynamic. Yes. As somebody that has a very large friend group, the dynamics sometimes are hard to manage and Mm -hmm. seeing like, who's closer to who and mm. you know if there's like an unspoken tiff going on for some mm. reason and you know as a kind of I like to sometimes say like I'm a little bit of an outsider on the group because I don't have kids and they all have kids mm-hmm. and so like they are very interactive the kids play together all that stuff yeah. great but then you also see like wait why isn't this person here what's going on like, yeah. what did I miss and it can be hard 
And mm-hmm. it can be a lot too. It can be very overwhelming. Right? And sometimes you're like, I'm not really that close with per- that person, but they're a part of the group. Right. Should I invite them? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the dynamics are very interesting. And I think, you know, sometimes I do say like, I'm very lucky to have the groups of friends that I do have. And even when like, I feel super disconnected from them and things like that. Like, I think we've worked on really hard, like a bunch of us to be able to communicate and talk to each other about what's going on and understand, like, we don't always have to call each other. We don't always have to see each other, but when push comes to shove, like we're there supporting, we're there, you know, Mm -hmm. being the biggest cheerleaders, you know, and like praising each other for what we're doing and the accomplishments that we're going through. And, you know, it's really the focus. Yes. Like, there's a lot of kids, but they're also like very heavily focused on like career milestones and praising those and like celebrating those just yeah. as much mm-hmm. as those other things. I'm glad you said that because I, I have definitely been working with clients who similarly, like they are in a group where most people are married and a majority have children at this point in their lives. And if I'm working with someone who is single, has no children, they there can sometimes be that resentment of I go to four bridal showers, four bachelorette parties, four weddings this year. Yeah. And then like 10 baby showers. Yep. And then the kids' birthdays. <laughs> All of the things that we traditionally in our culture yeah. celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. Like marriage and kids, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. And there can be that resentment of I just got promoted at work. I had my best quarter Mm -hmm. just now. I just bought a house on my own. Like I want to celebrate the things that I'm doing that maybe look different from what we traditionally celebrate, but are still huge accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. I think my friends have gotten really good at that. Like they recognize some of us have chosen different paths and, Mm -hmm. you know, marriage and kids weren't on the forefront for us. It was these other things of, you know, graduate degrees and Mm -hmm. promotions and buying houses and things like that. And we started celebrating those too, right? Like there's dinners for like the big celebrations for promotions, like where we like go out and cheers each other and, you know, have fun. And we say like, want to hear about what we're doing, even if we don't understand fully. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's the awareness, right? The self-awareness that not everybody has to choose the same path and we can still be friends. We can still have mutual, you know, uh, understanding and respect for each other. I think that's huge. Yeah. And I think that also, right. Like I think Gabby, it sounds like your friends are really great and open and you guys have done a lot of work. And I also think it's you, right. Like not, cause I think sometimes what also happens is people can feel overwhelmed and be like, well, I'm different than them. I don't have kids. I have nothing in common with them and like really pull themselves away rather than advocating for, I would like to celebrate this or, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's this, I don't know, a big trend I see online too. And it infiltrates into clients is this idea that, and Melissa was kind of talking about this with like the best friend, right. Is I think we can put so much pressure on friendships that we have the exact same beliefs and we have the exact same career path and we line up perfectly and we never, you know, disagree. And it's, it is too much pressure sometimes (laughs) to put on these relationships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think like the biggest thing with your, you know, if you want to say you have a best friend, right, is to be able to say like, I messed up, right? Like I messed up somewhere in this relationship at some point, like I maybe I'm not always my best self. You know, sometimes we even 
the person that we think is like our best friend, we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And we, you know, just assume they're always going to be there and we don't, we forget to check in and we forget to really put the effort in to make sure that we see them because it's one of those relationships that's been maybe there for a long time mm-hmm. and you are, you're just going about your business and you're like, Oh, I'll get to it. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. My best friend and I actually had that conversation mm-hmm. a week ago, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, like where we were just really honest with each other and, you know, put it out there. Like we maybe weren't our best selves and hadn't been treating each other as best as we could. And we need to fix it. And I think that's so powerful that you guys, instead of just kind of letting it fizzle or like holding on to that resentment mm-hmm. that you said, I want to talk about this. I want to put it out there because this relationship means so much to me. How can we start prioritizing it in a way that works for both of us? And that makes us both feel as valued as we are to each other. Yeah. Yeah, like it was, you know, definitely a hard conversation. There's lots of tears between both of us and yes. you know, lots of I love yous and, you know, I'm sorry's. And then also like a plan. Like what are we going to do? Yes. What are we going to do yeah. to make sure that we are aware and we're, you know, as invested as we say we are? And I think that was like the big part of it is like that whole conversation of not being afraid to have conversations with our friends, right? Like we put so much emphasis on our romantic relationships, how much like are you putting into your friendships even? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually saw, I think it was Liz Earnshaw shared an article mm-hmm. a few months back about going to therapy with yes. your friends. Yes, yes, I saw that too. Yes, yes, yes. I thought that was so cool. And I had actually had an experience recently with a friend where I was like, dang, I really wish... Yeah, we had had that opportunity. I think that could have really helped us. And I have never worked with two friends coming into therapy, but I think it would be so cool. And I I think it would also just, again, emphasize to you, to each other, like, this is something that's important to us. And we recognize that friendship is not easy. Like, no matter what stage of life you're in, friendship takes a lot of work because like you were saying, Gabby, we so often kind of take it for granted, especially if you have that that person that has, you know, been your rock for so long. You kind of, again, assume that they're always going to be there and that the relationship maybe doesn't need as much work. But the reality, I think the hard truth is that friendships take work and it's not always fun work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we're not right compared to a partner. You know, you don't obviously see each other as much, but you also have more separate lives. You also may not be as in alignment with your communication styles or some of those things that make it more difficult to have. You may be very different, you know, where you and your partner are more likely to be similar or at least be able to work through and have enough, you know, a pattern of how you work through things. I think a lot of times friendships, how you work through things is by pulling away and kind of waiting for the dust to settle and then just kind of coming back rather than having that hard conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's helpful to have anxious friends who like, if there's like a rupture, you know, nobody wants to get upset with each other for too long. So it's lots of like, we need to talk, we need to figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know, understanding like, yeah, you can be mad at me, but like, I'm still gonna like be here and kind of berate you a little bit or bombard you a little bit of like, we need to talk about this. Like, Nope. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to talk about this. So I think that's also sometimes interesting. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, I think with that, right, obviously you can overdo that, but I think one thing that I like to talk to clients about too is right. And it's the same in the therapy room when you have a disagreement with your therapist, right. Is like when you trust that you can have a hard conversation with someone and you go through it and you practice it, you come out stronger and with more confidence in that relationship where if you have this friendship that you guys never ever have a hard conversation or you never really confront each other and you just kind of are resentful, take a break, let it settle and then come back. You don't have that trust that if I say something crappy to you or I confront you or whatever, we have a disagreement that we can have that rupture and repair. Yeah. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. Have you guys ever had an experience where like there was a a rupture and the friendship like couldn't be repaired? Yes, I have. I mean, a lot of it I think is like hard for me to be super neutral about because I was also in like my addiction when a lot of Mm -hmm. like friendships were like chaotic and lost and stuff. And I was pretty defensive and, and avoidant and things like that. But I've also had like, I've tried to confront people or had conversations and I've had people like unwilling to engage in the conversation and you try and you like I've walked away from those friendships because it you know we weren't able to kind of work through it and they weren't really willing to work on the relationship too and that is so hard I it's it feels like grief right Mm -hmm. like mourning that relationship that maybe at one time you thought would be like consistent throughout your life. I feel like some, like that doesn't get talked about enough that like, you know, we grieve breakups, we, um, or like a marriage ending, obviously like when people pass, like we grieve that, but losing a friend, uh, it's really tough. Yeah. 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 Or even like when somebody pulls away from you Mm -hmm. and you're like not really sure why and you've like reached out and you tried and like you kind of like go over in your head like all of the things and it's just like was it me what did I do where was the breaking point yeah and it's just like it's just not there anymore right and it might be more ambiguous because unlike right a romantic relationship you may not you know sometimes romantic relationships you don't get closure but I think that's what's really hard about friendship is you know, we know the parameters more of a relationship, of a marriage. There's more agreed upon structure mm-hmm. where there's such a wide variety of friendships that work for different people, yeah. depending on their life, depending on different people have different expectations that it's, you know, someone interacts with a best friend in one way and someone interacts with a best friend in another way. And they could be totally different depending on their needs and their values and expectations and boundaries. Yes. Yes. Friendship boundaries. I feel like are so hard because again, like if we think about like, I don't know, I love TV. So I think a lot about like what I watched growing up and like the friends that would like bust into like on friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like they bust into each other's doors all the time. There's no knocking. There's no locked doors. Like the boundaries are, they all know everything about each other. That just, I I don't know about you, for you guys, like I have some friends where I definitely like share everything, like Mm -hmm. they are a big part of my life. But even then, like there are boundaries about like my space, uh, my time, right? Like, and so I think that's interesting too, again, like kind of managing that expectation of what 
a good, healthy friendship looks like. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think boundaries, like what you share, and you're going to share different things with different friends, right? Like, absolutely. My younger days when I was out, you know, <laughs> partying a lot and stuff, and, you know, my roommate knew far more than I'll say my quote unquote best friend, right? Because we were living very different lives. Right? Yeah. I'm living with a yeah. roommate, she's living with her husband out in the suburbs. She does not need to know my escapades. <laughs> <laughs> like my roommate did you know but you know I think that's there's also like like sometimes like that feeling of like what's the judgment going to be about what I'm Mm -hmm. doing what's the judgment about how I'm living my life differently and Mm -hmm. feeling that out and trying to balance that Mm -hmm. I think that comes back to like this idea of like all of our lives are not exactly the same and they don't have to always look the same and sometimes we isolate ourselves by think like having a story in our head of like everybody's judging me because I'm not dating. Everybody's mm-hmm. judging me because I'm divorced. Everybody's judging me because I'm not, you know, serious about whatever. And it's like, no, that's the story you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because they ask, like, are you dating anybody doesn't mean like they're actually pressuring you to date someone. It's just mm-hmm. an open question. Yeah. And you have a right to say, like, please don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Question again. That's a good boundary, Amanda. They've said that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good point too, Gabby, with roommates, because I think I had a lot, I was very someone who like, I need to live with, you know, I need to live with my best friend. We need to be roommates. And I had an experience in college where I did not get along with my roommates at all. And I kind of had to more in the idea that like maybe I'm not someone who lives great with like a you know a best friend being a roommate maybe I'm someone who does better with more of an acquaintance as a roommate and I think you know if you look at the nature of a tv show obviously making all of the main characters roommates is very convenient for the show's (laughs) plot new girl right (laughs) all of that right so but I think I think we forget too that because we see the like roommates is like the ultimate in your twenties in a city sort of experience. Yeah. Recognizing also that it's like, okay to not live with your best friends. It's okay. You know, it's okay to live alone. It's okay to be in different sort of situations. And like, it's okay if you're not good at living with people, (laughs) with your best friends. Yes. Like it's hard to live with someone. Yes. Yes, that is true. It's very hard to live with somebody. Are you looking for some skills on how to improve your mental health? Therapy for Women has some great workshops and groups coming up this spring that I'd love to tell you about. Melanie is going to be doing the Patriarchy's Impact on Pleasure. Also going to be a $20 virtual workshop coming up on Thursday, May 25th. She's going to be talking about how the patriarchy targets women and how it impacts our ability to feel pleasure and joy in sex. So if you're interested in any of these workshops, visit therapyforwomencenter.com slash events. Now back to the show. And I think there can be like a, like I was thinking about this when you mentioned Amanda, like, like you moved a lot as a kid. So I was thinking Mm -hmm. about how you probably also got really good at being independent, right? Mm -hmm. And like learning to enjoy things on your own. And I think we also 
don't emphasize that enough, right? Like it's so great to have a friend group and have people to do things with. That's like, we are social creatures. That's great. And also you can do things on your own and that can be really powerful too. And I think a great way to like understand and know yourself better. Of course. Totally. I totally agree. And I think especially I think about my work with clients and people can feel like, well, I have to wait to go to this concert or to go to this restaurant or to travel here until I have friends or a significant other to do it with. And they can really, you know, cut themselves off from connection where obviously like, you know, it can be anxiety provoking to do things by yourself. But like you said, Melissa, I it can be really healthy. It can really be a huge confidence booster also to feel that empowerment of like, I'm not going to let whether I have a friend to go to this thing, you know, stop me from doing what I want and living the life that I want. Yeah. I agree with that. Right. Like going to the museum, right. By yourself. Like you don't, you can go if you want to go to the museum and see the art exhibit. Like go, like you don't need somebody else to go yeah. with you. You yeah. might actually find it more enjoyable because yeah. you can take your time and you're not like, am I taking too long? Am I going too fast? Like all those other worries that I sometimes personally have when I go to the art museum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you might meet people there too. Yeah. Yes, you know? I was just thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone else is there on your own. Maybe you see a group that you're really interested in, and I think that is another like hard truth too, is that Mm -hmm. with friendship, especially in those beginning stages or like first meeting people, like it is just going to be awkward, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think embracing the awkward, sitting in that can be really powerful to to help you to do that, right? Because I know a lot of people like if you're on Bumble BFF, right? Like they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to go meet someone because it's going to be weird, right? And like it, it probably is going to be weird, right? Yeah. Like it's like dating, right? Like, yeah. You're going to feel uncomfortable. There's going to be a lot of small talk. There's going to be an awkward silence, but this is how you, you make those connections. And maybe you go out with someone and it's, you're not interested in hanging out with them again, but at least you put yourself out there and are in the practice of doing that. Yep. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. Yeah. I, um, I think too, with like Bumble BFF or you know, this could apply to online dating too. I think what's hard is because swiping is so part of our daily life, scrolling is so part of our daily life. At least one challenge I've experienced with moving and trying to do that is a lot of people just want to like chat, you know, on the app. And I'm very someone who I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to, we're going to, you know, enjoy each other's company until we meet. So like, let's get off the app quickly and see and then go from there. So that's been like an interesting experience of I think people are more hesitant or I think, I think people can also get stuck in the idea that they feel like they're doing something if they're swiping and chatting, Mm -hmm. like they're making strides towards it. But if you're not actually meeting up with people, it's not the same. Yeah. You're not actually going to see if you have a connection and you're not going to actually um, take real concrete steps towards that if you can't get off the app. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I uh, agree with that. And, you know, that's regularly one of the things I talk with clients about with dating. Like, mm-hmm. stop asking all the questions you're going to ask for the first <laughs> date on the app. Go and meet the yeah. person. <laughs> but I think this is also what, go, you know, Gabby, you've talked a lot about anxiety and exposure mm-hmm. and stuff like that is like, yes, it is 
if you've never met someone on like a blind date or a blind, you know, um, friendship date, or you've never gone to a concert alone, you've never gone to get coffee alone, Mm -hmm. it is going to be really scary and anxiety provoking. You're going to learn so much from it and it'll make it easier to do Mm -hmm. the next time. Yeah. I love assigning the homework to a client to go get coffee by themselves. And then we like amp it up by like, go get coffee and sit in the coffee shop by yourself Mm -hmm. to then like take yourself to dinner. And, you know, initially I might say like sit at the bar. It's a little easier versus sitting at a table by yourself, but we work towards sitting at the table by yourself. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about it in terms of right. Like, If you, because I a lot of times have clients who, or like they'll get invited somewhere and they're too anxious to go and they want to go, but then they're too anxious to go. And Gabby, you taught me this about, right? Like your brain, if you always say you're going to go and cancel, because I think that's another theme we could talk about with friendships, Mm -hmm. right? Because your anxiety is too hard every time. And then you feel better after you cancel, your brain learns canceling. Yep is the solution to my anxiety where if you would have gone, your anxiety also would have gone down and then you wouldn't have learned that you would have learned like your anxiety goes down naturally. The other one around that is like pleasure predicting, right? Canceling because you think that you're not going to enjoy it or like the idea of like, Mm. Oh, I don't want to do this. It's going to be so awful. I'm going to hate it. I'm not going to have any fun. Zero stars would not recommend. Right. So that's pleasure predicting. And the reality is like we are actually really bad at predicting our pleasure because Mm -hmm. we go and we experience and say you rated your anxiety or like how much fun you thought you would have at the beginning versus how much you rate it at the end of how much fun you you had. They're regularly vastly different. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Do you have clients do that? Like, I love that. Yeah. I feel like I actually sometimes do the opposite too, where I like will hype something up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe it's like the eternal optimist in me, but I'll be <laughs> like, this is going to be great. Like this person and I are going to be like best friends. We'll probably go on a trip together. Like I just hype things up. And then the opposite happens where I mm-hmm. leave feeling, you know, it was still great, right. but because it wasn't that 10 out of 10 that I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. it was like a seven out of 10. It feels like a failure. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. not good at all. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's interesting too. Another way to think like sometimes people do that too. Like their fantasy about it versus the reality of it don't meet. And sometimes people are running before they're even crawling, right? You're yes. running in the relationship and the friendship before you guys were even crawling because like it's new. You don't know how it's going to yeah. really work. So sometimes like, some of that reality testing is important too. Yeah, managing your expectations. Yes. That's what I always say yeah. about like holidays and birthdays. We need to manage our yes. expectations. If we're not telling people what our expectations are for things, they're not going to be able to meet our needs. And I'm so glad that you mentioned birthdays because I actually saw a TikTok recently of mm-hmm. it was a stitch. And the, the first one was this guy saying what birthdays look like when you're like – a 30 year old male and he's like yeah. sitting at home, like playing video games. And then someone stitched it and they were like, let's talk about this because yeah. 
you're going to see on social media, like people having these big birthday dinners, maybe they go away for the weekend with like a big group of friends. That is because that person planned that, right? Like rarely is it that like someone was like, oh, let's all get together. Like, and someone else, play, like we all have lives. Yeah, we're going to have a secret, you know, surprise party for this person. Yes. Rare. That's a very rare occurrence, rare occurrence, you know. Also, please, nobody ever pers- planned me a surprise party. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and so I, I thought that was such, a, I was so glad that that person said that because I was like, yes, we need to, because I think obviously the the darker side of social media is that comparison, right? Like mm-hmm. you're on Instagram and like seeing, oh, this person had a huge birthday dinner and like you do, you maybe had, you know, like a nice dinner with your partner, but like you didn't have 10 of your closest friends get together and you feel like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, do my friends, do I not have good friendships? Yeah. Am I not as close to my friends as I thought? Just know that 99% of the time that person made that happen. Yep. And if you yes. want that, you can make that happen too. It just, again, takes work. Yeah. yeah. The last time I like technically celebrated my birthday with friends, I planned the dinner, mm-hmm. right? I wanted, yeah. yeah. it was like pandemic still. So like reservations were super hard. Also, I made, wanted like insisted I wanted to go to Fiorella's uh, to eat all the delicious pastas. And they like have a max table of six back then. And I was like, yeah. well, then I'm limiting it to six. That's what we're getting. Mm-hmm. And we had five and it was wonderful. But I knew in my mind, like, if I want this, mm-hmm. I have to plan this. I've got to make the yeah. reservation. I've got to, you know, make sure everybody's coming. And it is what it is. Totally. Totally. And I think, I think that's right. It's, it goes back to, like, if you want the type of relationship with your friends where you have birthday celebrations, if you want the type of relationship with your friends where you see people going on trips and you're like, I would love that. You maybe have to, you might have to be the one that steps up and is the planner of the group or, or you accept that it's not happening. No one is a planner in your group, so it's not going to happen. Yep. But yeah, it's like, no one's coming to, to, you know, make the friendship the way you want it to be. It's, it's really like, you know, it can be, I think there can be grief with that, but I think it's also empowering to be like, I have the power to, to do that. Like my group of friends is often, um, some of them are are pretty good with things, but like I knew, for example, with like my bachelorette that some of my friends, you know, we were, a lot of us were all planning weddings and we're stressed during that time. And I like took a big lead in planning my bachelorette because I knew that I wanted it to be a specific way and I wasn't going to sit around and like wait for and hope that people planned it the way I wanted it to. I I came up with what I wanted and, you know, obviously like people helped me and everything like that, but you don't see that on social media. You don't see people being like, this birthday party was amazing that I planned. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like the, you know, sometimes it is about like dividing and conquering, right? And like specifically like bachelorette parties and bridal showers and things, it's like splitting it up to and giving people tasks that they're good at, right? Like that's sometimes how things happen too, of like just saying like, no, I don't want this. I do want that. You know, I don't want it. I don't want to open the gifts. I want it smaller. Right. I want a hundred people there. You know, if that's you, great. Let them know that. But if not, don't be upset when it's not exactly what you wanted. Your friends are not mind readers. Exactly. Yes. 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 In so many, in so many different Even ways. the best, closest of friendships, mm-hmm. not mind not readers. Not mind readers. Yes. 
Yes. And they like may forget too. And that's okay. Also, I think there's this like pressure too of like, I told my friend, they know me. I can't believe that they Mm -hmm. did this or did that. And I can't believe they forgot whatever. Yeah. Like people are also human giving people grace. And I think sometimes what I can see happen in clients is like, we can flip from one to another of right? Like you're my best friend. Everything goes into this, all of the pressure or you disappointed me and I'm done and I'm cutting you off. And there, Mm. there's no middle ground where I think, and social media heightens this with like the extremes, but I, I think taking some of the pressure, like one thing I talk with clients a lot about is taking also some of the pressure Mm. off of friendships. Like not everyone can fulfill every single need of yours. And it's good to have friends for different things. You know, like you can have a friend who's a great travel friend with you. You can have a friend that you go to yoga classes with, and that's your main thing. And maybe you're not, you're not going to, you know, spend a lot of time with them because you guys don't have super, you know, in-depth invigorating conversations. And that's okay. You, you can have work friends. You can have friends that aren't a 10 out of 10 for you. And that doesn't mean that they're not valuable or important in your life. Agreed. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important too, for like, as a reminder that no one person can ever like your partner too, right? Like yeah, one person is, is not going to be able to fulfill every need, no matter how special or important they are in your life. And so diversifying is good. Yeah. 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 Spreading, spreading spreading things out because yeah, people can go through things like we talked about and they may go through a phase where they have a baby and they're going to be way more out of communication. And that doesn't mean they don't love you or care about you. It just means that they're going through something and giving people grace also that, you know, friendships can wax and wane. And I think there's too much of an emphasis on TikTok I see or Instagram Mm -hmm. of like, you didn't show up for me. Keep no toxic people, you know, zero toxic yes. people in your life. You deserve better. Cut them all off. And, and there isn't grace or nuance brought. Yes. Friendships definitely require grace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, like we are humans. We're going to mess up. And, you know, sometimes maybe it's beyond repair, but I, I'm a, a firm believer that a good conversation can you know, if it's truly someone who you care about, a good conversation can usually lead to a repair. Mm-hmm. And the friendship may look different, but yeah, it can usually be repaired. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you guys are both willing to, yeah, have that hard conversation. I think another thing too that I wanted to touch on, some people are not as good at responding to texts and things like that. Yes. As other people. And I think there's also a lot of pressure. I see this like conversation go back and forth on social media of, you know, if someone doesn't respond to you, you don't need that negativity mm. in your life. And and one of my best friends is truly not good <laughs> with his phone at all. He has like a lot of social anxiety and like I know that about him and I have social anxiety, but my social anxiety is often in the form of not avoidance, right? Like right. I like to check in with people to like know that we're still we're friends. Good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like also really about like understanding the context, hearing what a, like just because someone 
doesn't respond to you or interacts with their phone differently than you, or maybe doesn't like to talk on the phone and you do, or doesn't like to FaceTime and you do, it doesn't mean that they're not a good friend. They just also may have different expectations. And I remember there was a Glennon Doyle episode uh, that she did on her podcast like a year and a half ago or two years ago where she she's very avoidant. She was talking about with her phone and she did such a good job, I think, of explaining it to someone like me who like couldn't fathom why someone like wouldn't want to be in communication with people. And she just talked about how like all day long she feels like attacked by her yes. phone. Yes. <laughs> I remember that episode now. I was like, wait, yes. She feels like it's like like assaulting her. Yes. Yes. And until I heard that, I didn't fully, fully understand. So I think also like really trying to understand where your friends are coming from and remembering that they are different than you and may have different, you know, preferences and things like that. Meet them where they are, right? Like I I have a friend, one of my best friends is very much like that. Like she does not want to be in a group message. Do not put her in a group message. (laughs) She will maybe see my message and it takes her a couple of days. But like, I also know that like about once a month, like we'll FaceTime for two hours. Mm -hmm. And like, that is her way of really feeling connected in the moment and like feeling like we can genuinely catch up rather than like getting a text message here and there. Like that is just not the way that she's, Mm -hmm. she's going to communicate. And because I understand that and because we have talked about it too, like there are no hard feelings. Yeah. 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 So it's like asking questions too, rather than making assumptions that this person doesn't like me or they're pulling away coming from a place of curiosity. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I'm very famous for, like, looking at a text in between, like, sessions and being like, oh, I'm going to get to yes. that. Let me run into the bathroom. Let me grab some food. Let me, you know, charge a card. And then I forget. Yeah. And it's like... You can mark them as unread now, which has been huge for me. Oh, I didn't know that. In an iPhone, at least. Yep. I don't know about others, but yeah, you can. Yeah, in the right. iPhone, one of the like more recent updates, you can swipe like how you do yeah. in the mail app and yeah. mark it as unread. Oh, oh, thank you. Game changer. Thank you, game changer. That's going to help me immensely. <laughs> yeah. Also, like group text. Can we just talk about that real fast? Because they are overwhelming. Yes. They are yes. really, really overwhelming sometimes. Like, I'll get a group text and a look and there'll be 63 messages and I just feel overwhelmed. Like I can't even respond. Like at this point, the conversation has moved so far beyond like, I don't even know where, where you can chime in. Yeah. 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 And it depends on your job too, I think, and what you do during the day. I think a lot of, you know, if you're in a, you know, if you're a therapist, obviously and you're doing clinical work, you're not looking at your phone Mm -hmm. more than for a few minutes, an hour. Yeah. If that where other people who, you know, work computer jobs or whatever can be chatting and on their phone all day. And it's just a different, it's just a different thing. It's just different. Yeah. And there's some days where we have more time to check our phones and chit chat. Yeah. And then other days we're seeing clients back to back for, you know, seven hours straight or something. And it's, there's just no time. And you don't want to talk at all. Even yes. if you do have, yes. once you do have time, you're like, no. <laughs> no, no. Yes, exactly. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause that is also like a huge thing. Sometimes like it's just hard to connect with people when all day you try to connect with your clients and it's yes. just. When you've been listening all yes. day, sometimes it's yes. just like, I don't, I, I don't have any more listening left. No more listening. <laughs> 
listening ears are gone. Yeah. I'm just going to zone out in front of the TV and watch half watch TV, half scroll on my phone. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it, it, I'm not ignoring you. I love you, but I, I just can't right now. I just can't. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. And again, communication is, is key with that too. You know, just having a conversation with your friend, like, look, my job, like, takes a lot from me during the day, but like, you know what, I'm off on Saturday and Sunday. So like, yeah. I'll probably get back to you then mm-hmm. if, if you can hold on until then. Yeah. 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 Checking Absolutely. in with your friends about like, do you have the capacity right now to talk about, Yes. you know, mm-hmm. something or like something that's like coming up for me or like, or just do you have the capacity right now to bullshit with me? Cause sometimes that's mm-hmm. far easier than like a yes. real conversation. Yeah. I will gladly chit chat with you about nothing and bad TV and, (laughs) you know, some gossip uh, versus like something actually serious. Yeah. Well, Melissa, before we, before we wrap up, we like to ask all the guests, what would you like if someone is struggling with a friendship or they're struggling with making new friends or having adult friends, what are some of your favorite resources to recommend besides therapy. Yeah. Yes. I recently, and I think Amanda, this was because you shared um, something of hers, Danielle Bayer Jackson. Yes. I love her. I love her. She has a book coming out too. I don't yes. know when, but yeah. Next January. So a little oh, bit awesome. away, but okay. I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. She brands herself as the friendship coach, Ooh. which she absolutely she is. is. Um, she has real. She has a podcast, and she just has her kind of focus is female friendships, which mm-hmm. I think there's so much to unpack there, yeah. right? Just the way we're socialized as women. But she is amazing. She's phenomenal. She has great tips, great advice, some hard truths. I think that's what you shared, Amanda. Her her uh, post about sometimes like reasons why maybe you weren't invited, yes. and that yes. was yes. like I watched that one. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that hits pretty hard. But mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes it's, you know, again, those hard truths that are going to move you forward. And like Gabby said, right? Like she was like, I made a friend, uh, I made a dinner for my birthday and I there, the table was six people. Like that does right. happen sometimes. And it sucks to not be invited and is painful and you have a right to feel how you feel. And it doesn't mean that someone hates you or you should yeah. Cut them off. Cut them off. Yes. So she's phenomenal. Highly recommend following her, checking out her podcast, checking out her book. And I think also something that we've been kind of touching on this whole time is like friendship takes vulnerability. Mm. Um, So obviously Brene Brown, she's a great resource when it comes to like not only getting to know yourself, but learning how to connect with others Mm -hmm. through being vulnerable. So Mm -hmm. obviously Brene Brown has many, many books and podcast and lots of resources. So I would check her out too. Yeah. There's one other recommendation that I had um, on Instagram. Her name is Dr. Miriam Kiermeyer. She is like a friendship researcher. So she puts out some, she doesn't have a huge account or anything, but she often is featured in really great articles and talks about the research Mm. behind, behind friendship and things like that. And I think like The interesting thing too is even I was thinking like Esther Perel, while obviously she's known as being a relationship therapist and expert, friendships are relationships. So some of the, a lot of the advice that we've been talking about even today also has a lot of overlap with just like relationships. 
in the same vein, even uh, lives Earnshaw, right? Like she's yeah, you know, some good stuff too. And yeah, I love her. You know, thought about friendship therapy, right? Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. If anyone wants to come to therapy with their friend, yeah, let me know. <laughs> I'm all about yeah. it. Melissa would be very excited. <laughs> And Melissa would be a great person to do this because unlike <laughs> Gabby or myself or some of the other therapists are in practice, Melissa is actually a couples yes. therapist. So um, she can pull some of the, the concepts. Yes. Um, I think there's that. more overlap than we, than we tend to realize. Yeah. Melissa, I have one more question for you. You said at the beginning, uh, Melissa is a fellow Swifty mm-hmm. with Amanda yes. and I. We really did good self-controlling ourselves. No, we did. Um, so we did. <laughs> I would like to ask, what was your Taylor Swift friendship question that you did have? Yeah. Okay. I just thought of this the other day, and it's kind of cheesy. But if you could be friends mm. with one of the Taylor eras, mm. so like Speak Now Taylor, Red Taylor, Ooh. Midnight's Taylor, which Taylor would you be friends with? reputation oh that was my answer (laughs) that was my answer oh look at that (laughs) so my reason for reputation was like if you ever need someone by your side yes reputation taylor will ride or knock them down a notch yes (laughs) she would fiercest defender yeah so that was my reason for reputation taylor but also like i don't know i used to be very much like a fearless Taylor mm-hmm. era person. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. she had, uh, this is like a really niche thing, but she had a line of sundresses at Walmart, <laughs> like between the years, like 2008 and 2009. Mm-hmm. I probably had 10 of wow. them. Okay. I, I wore that. one to the fear. So I could also see myself getting mm-hmm. along really well with her too. And just her like joy for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, anything after, I mean, as much as like right on Instagram, 1989 mm-hmm. was like, you know, to be, to be invited to Tamerica. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't like, I don't know what, you To know. be in the squad. That was like the birth squad. of the squads. But we know now that, you know, she was struggling and there was a yeah. lot of other dynamics um, going on. So I feel like anything after 1989 or anything reputation and after she's like come into herself a lot more and is a lot more like people you know a lot less into people pleasing and things like that it has been so cool to like as someone like Gabby you shared the other day like your speak now tour ticket which was amazing like to see her like go through all these different eras and to see her like really kind of come into her own has been really cool like as a fan to just like get to witness that and I don't know I just love her and like I said I could do if you want to bring me back and just do a Taylor Swift podcast the therapy part podcast totally yeah Yeah, I agree I mean I think that's one of the coolest things about being you know I know the three of us you know growing up yeah with her yeah yeah. um, and stuff like that is cool just because you you feel like you've gone through things as she's gone through things yeah for sure yeah Love that question. Love that. That's such a good question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, Melissa. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Well, you know, if anyone has Taylor Swift therapy questions also, submit them to us and we'll bring Melissa back and we'll we'll do an episode. Yeah, we love uh, therapy for Swifties. That's what we're here for. Ah! (laughs) Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. it. (laughs) 
Thank you guys for having me. I loved chatting. I think it's such an important topic and I, I hope people resonated and and heard something that stuck to, stuck with them. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa, for coming on today and joining Amanda and I. And if you like this podcast, please make sure you like us, rate us, share us, give us a review and subscribe. And would you really appreciate it about that? Thanks. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Therapy for Women podcast. To suggest a topic, submit a question, or find a qualified therapist, visit therapyforwomencenter.com.